Greetings, glorious beings. I'm Paulette, your host of Thriving in Chaos, the podcast. I'm thrilled to introduce you to sparkling examples of inspiring, powerful, wise, and trailblazing women. I've curated experts in their fields to help us all listen, learn, and grow towards all the possibilities of living your best life. As a certified divorce coach, I regularly witness a range of deep emotions. What those emotions have taught me is all we really need to support our sisters is to share our knowledge and loving kindness. Please subscribe and thank you for sharing the love by tuning in. Now let's thrive in the chaos. Good morning and welcome to Thriving in Chaos. I am Paulette, your host, and today I am incredibly honored to have a special guest with me today because many years ago, I started my healing and transformation journey. You know, I want to go back to like the late 90s when I felt really lost and so confused and I was hurting and I had no idea. Like my life looked great on the outside and on paper. If I looked at all the list of things I was, you know, wife, mother, teacher, you know, all these things that I listed, it looked great. And I had my health and vitality um, other than a few aches and pains in my knees and low back from teaching way too many back bends and, and, uh, dance steps that were like beating on my joints. I look, it looked good, but you know, I felt really ugly and in pain on the inside and it was yoga that saved me. Now I know that sounds a little bit airy fairy and a little bit crunchy. And I know, I know, but those of you that know me, like I don't really wear feather earrings. Like I'm not really that kind of chick. And to all my friends and peers that do wear feather earrings, like I love it. I have no embracing tie-dye and the Grateful Dead. Like, I'm totally cool with it, but it's just not me. Like, I'm, I'm just not that type of person, but I invite one of my students who is now a teacher in her own right to be my guest today because I found that this topic of the future of the yoga studios and yoga and their ability to be focused on more of a holistic wellness point of view and much less of a quote unquote exercise point of view gets me giddy. So welcome to the show, Melissa McKim. Um, Melissa and I go back to 2014 when she found me through a sacred space yoga school when I started offering small group and private 200 hour yoga teacher training certifications at the encouragement of my teacher and mentor, uh, Maureen Spencer. And I was just really digging deep into peri yoga with Rod Stryker. I was smack dab in the middle of my own second 200 hour, I'm sorry, 500 hour training I was doing. And I was at this point in my life where education was everything. I spent 80% of my time studying and practicing and traveling to become a, an expert in my field. And I continue to this minute 
to study. And I feel it's what makes me be able to really approach coaching and wellness from a holistic point of view, not just from the physical point of view, but from all of the different layers of the being because of my dedication to that. And Melissa feels to me like the poster child of a dedicated student and teacher. So welcome to Thriving in Chaos. Thanks for having me. So can you share a little bit about how you found yoga and why you would want to shift your life from being, you know, the usual practitioner when you went to a gym or a studio or however you found it to really saying, there's more to this. I need to jump in with both feet and study Mm -hmm. and keep learning. Yeah. So, you know, I discovered yoga kind of by uh, accident, I guess, if you will. Um, When I was in my early 20s, I was having a lot of anxiety, uh, panic attacks, and it was my senior year of college. You know, I was studying, uh, I was in business school, and something just came over me, and I, I got to the point where I was unable to leave my apartment. Mm-hmm. Like I was filled with so much fear and anxiety. And um, I ended up watching some uh, yoga videos of Rodney Yee, right? Who's still around. And, yeah. Him and yeah. Colleen, yeah. Yeah. And um, it really helped me. And I realized right very quickly that it was not this, the postures, if you will, but it was more, um, accessing the breath and being able to calm my mind, my body. And then, you know, as I got through that pretty quickly, um, I started to branch out and started taking uh, actual group yoga classes, right, at local studios. And what I found was it was just so much different, right? It was all hot power yoga classes. And I just thought, well, this is, this must be what yoga is, right? Outside of my four walls, right? Outside of these VHS tapes that I was watching. And what would happen to me was I would take these classes and I would leave and have to sit in my car for an hour trying to cool down my body. And I would break out in hives everywhere. And I still continued to go because knowing that, okay, yoga is supposed to be, you know, this healing practice, like I knew enough, but I just thought this was the only way. And so I continued to go and continued to go. And eventually I just, I said, I need to find a teacher training because there's something about this practice that I know has helped me in my mind and my body, but not this hot power yoga. And now I know after going through your training, that, you know, it's really the hot power yoga isn't right for me and my body, right? Being, you know, it's, it's too pitta, it's too pouring fire on top of fire, right? It really isn't right for my constitution. And so luckily by happen chance or the universe connected you and I um, through Maureen Spencer, and I was able to find your training. And I'm so glad I did because what we see or what I had seen in these group classes was really just that tip of the iceberg. Like 
this is all asana, you know, I know that there's something deeper, but teachers weren't giving that to me. They weren't telling me the why, why does this work? Why does this matter? And, um, and luckily I was able to find you and now I know why. And I can <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, well, I am so not against power yoga or hot yoga. I'm not really right. against anything. You know, it's funny yeah. people always say like, well, like you taught how you, I found you at open doors. Like I used to go to your hot power class. Like, how come you don't teach that anymore? I'm like, well, cause we evolve. And of course I learned about Ayurveda and doshas. And you of course mentioned Pitta. And to yeah. those of you guys out there that aren't into this whole yoga thing, like hang in there because it really has nothing to do with the label. It has to do with your your constitution. You know, some of us have curly hair. Some of us have straight hair. Some of us sort of love the sun. Other people, you know, love weather. And that's perfectly fine. Find what diet, lifestyle. And yoga is the same way. There yeah. were times in my life that I really thrived in being in a heated, warm environment, like the winter, but in the summer, man, the same thing would happen to me. My skin would break out in a rash. I'd get hives on my neck and my chest. Yeah. Um, it would literally take me 30 to 40 minutes to get my skin to stop being like on fire. And I mean like painfully on fire. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't really breathe. I would feel like almost like you're having a little bit of wheezing or not asthma sometimes. Maybe it was just the steam wasn't clean. Um, and it just didn't, it, it was agitating. Then I'd get home and I'd be, you know, yelling at people and, you know, slamming doors and be really pissed off if there was a red light. Like, right. what is wrong with me? I'm not, <laughs> like, this isn't who I am. And then sometimes I'd go to those really you know, restorative classes and they'd be a little too lethargic for me. Yeah. And I could, I was, I'm too flexible, as you know, from being an ex dancer. And the last thing I need is more flexibility. Like right. I need those long holds to increase strength and stability, but they're like, Oh, you're flexible. And they'd come over and take my leg and pull it right over my head. Cause they knew I could do it. <laughs> But I was trying to hold back, you know, like, no, this isn't ballet. You know, I was trying to go for joint um, stability and strength. So the, the beauty, you know, very calmly described about um, your experience of having hot power is that there isn't one style. Right. There's, I don't know how many now I've lost count, yeah. but yoga isn't really about asana after all so you found me yes and then you did the 200 hour and you just completed your 300 hours so now you are congratulations thank you a 500 hour registered yoga teacher with yoga alliance and it's taken you five years right yes. this has been a five-year journey yes and now look at you girl you just started your own studio owner director Two years ago, has it been two or is it going on three? It'll be three in March. March, yeah. three. So almost three years, mm -hmm. owner director of Unplug and Be Mindful Yoga in Marshfield, Massachusetts, to all my sure. Mm -hmm. And now developing your own teacher training. So let's go back to 2014 yeah. when we met. Yeah. Time travel, okay. ready? Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> I can see you. I can see you. That first hug I gave you. And now where you are now, how is the old Melissa and the new Melissa different? How have you evolved? Mm. 
Well, um, I'm definitely more aware. <laughs> um, how have I evolved? I think that, you know, I, I'm definitely more patient. I can handle my daily life with uh, more, I'm more at ease. And I'm still passionate about all the things that I used to be. It's just, I'm able to channel them in a different way, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the, this, you know, I was called to open the studio really for, um, I, you know, I have three children of my own, three pretty young children. And, you know, I wanted to get more into healing energy work, you know, so I'm a, a Reiki master and I love uh, working with people on um, the subtle energetic body. And so I had found, been drawn to this space and, you know, yoga really complements that. So you can move energy right through the asanas and with the breath and also um, there's different ways of um, moving energy through Reiki and other modalities. So, um, and for those people out there that don't know what Reiki is, can yeah. you just describe it in a simple way so yeah. it doesn't sound so woo-woo? Yeah, it's um, a Japanese form of healing, right? It's, um, or they call it laying on the hands or laying of the hands. So we use these hand positions and Sanskrit symbols to help um, really balance the subtle energetic body. So if you've never had a Reiki session, right, it's pretty calming, even though there's no... Uh, manipulation of muscle you're fully clothed but um, it, it's a very peaceful experience and so we do massage here we do Thai massage we do some other things and um, you know really trying to work on helping the whole person right so not just uh, physical exercise right it's more about um, helping people at the individual level. So we do a lot of private yoga teaching. Um, we do a lot of special classes, special workshops, you know, really for people that are looking, how can yoga help me in this way versus, mm -hmm. you know, just a group exercise class. Yeah. And so those people that have never gone to yoga and they're what I call yoga curious. Yes. And they really don't know what, to start with it feels like they'll they'll maybe go online or get a recommendation right or oh i went to yoga and they i go here and then i like this and i like that but yeah. they're going to get different recommendations because of different people and where do you start you know you think like well do i just go to a schedule and see what resonates with me or mm -hmm. do i go with my friends because you know, they're going to hold my hands and make me feel like I'm not, um, you know, alone and I'll get the support. Where, how do you recommend finding the right class for the right person? Well, if someone reaches out to me, um, I try to talk to them over the phone or in person, just to kind of see um, like where they are in their life and what they're looking for. Right. You know, so they're we meet people where they are, right? Not the other way around. So if someone, you know, has this perception, right, that 
you know, they're looking for yoga for their physical body, right? To gain physical strength, stability, some of the things that they hear, right? So I might look at them and say, okay, this is, you know, given um, some Ayurvedic tools, like being like, what, where are they in their life, right? What is it that they think they need and what is it that they truly need, right? So meeting people where they are and, and so that way they can, um, you know, try a class that might feel right to them, but also give them what they need. So if um, someone comes to me and they're like, you know, I have, I've had multiple surgeries, multiple injuries, right? And they're just, they've heard that yoga can help them um, kind of start moving again. Like that's a, you know, I would handle that differently, right? So they may, might need to start with some private yoga classes, like some one-on-one, so we can really see what their range of motion is, you know, what they're dealing with on a physical level. And, you know, for some people, you know, their yoga practice not may not be yoga postures, mm-hmm. right? They, they might be really physically fit and really just looking to calm their mind. And maybe it's meditation, or maybe it's mantra or breath work or what have you. But so it really becomes more individualized when you can sit down, talk with someone and be like, well, what is it that, what is it that you're looking for and how can I help you along your path? And ultimately, you know, it, it might change, right? What I need today might be different than what I need tomorrow. So it, it does become very personalized versus this is what everyone needs Right. That's a, that's a great point that you bring up. And that's the beauty of yoga itself is that there isn't one style, one teacher, um, one flow or one, shall we say prescription. This is you you go and it's got to be one hour or an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half or God forbid, you know, 45 minutes, but I'll take anything. Like when I first started teaching Melissa, I said, I will, I will meet them wherever they are. That is, I used to teach women in prison. I used to teach women incarcerated and on probation programs. Um, I started getting into prenatal so that women Mm. could really start taking care of their bodies and their children before they were even born. And, you know, all different types with the depression, anxiety, and um, even those people that really just thought that they were overweight and they needed to lose 20 pounds. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of students go to hot power yoga and lose 20, 30, 40 mm-hmm. or more pounds with a yeah. really dedicated heated tapas type um, to practice. So I just say to complement what you're saying, get advice, ask questions and try classes. You've got to try them. Yes. You can't just look at a piece of paper and say, Oh, restorative. Oh, that's not for me or Hatha. What's that? Just get in there and try it because that's the only way you're going to know. Right. And because the yoga industry is not what it was when I first started back in the, I want to say early nineties when I really started to feel like dance felt like I was beating up my body and Mm -hmm. beating up my soul because they, you're never the, (laughs) what's the saying, you know, break a leg. (laughs) right I mean literally what I would I would be told if I went on stage is break a leg yeah or you know never let them see you sweat or you know always make it look easy or you know the show must go on like 
No, it doesn't mm-hmm. need to go on. Right. We're not living a show. This isn't a performance. There's no dress rehearsal, everybody, right? Like, right. this is it, Melissa. You and I are living our lives fully. Yes. And because it's changed uh, way back in the days of, you know, when yoga first came to the U.S. in the 19. 19- 60s really popularized by Krishnamacharya back even with the Beatles of influence if you want to do a little more research that's kind of where it became more popularized but there are now 5,500 registered yoga schools Mm. and when I first started there were Mm 1,000 you know give or take time so um and now there's 60,000 registered yoga teachers with yoga alliance yeah. And now that's that's international. It isn't just in the US, but and what's really disturbing, and maybe disturbing is a tough word, um gosh, um conflicting to me is that only 80% of are that are that eighty percent of yoga teachers are only two hundred hour. Mm. That there that there isn't more of a growth. I you know, I'd love to see it more like fifty percent. Because we got to start somewhere. We got to start. It's like being happy with graduating from, you know, middle school or mm-hmm. high school and not feeling like I need to keep learning. But only 20% on average, I think it's a little bit less, more like 16 or 18% of yoga teachers are 500 hour like yourself. And what is that doing to the quality of the experience for the practitioner that is new? And because something like only 3% of Americans practice yoga, like 3%, that's nothing. Mm. Although it is changing. Yeah. How important is it for that young teacher who doesn't really have a lot of experience and education and is still seeing, you know, these common terms or pronouncing it, the words incorrectly and not really delving into the, the full realm of yoga as a body of work and Ayurveda, uh, what kind of responsibility is that for these newbies that are going in and plopping their heart on a mat? And obviously their bones and their fascia and their organs Mm -hmm. and their, all of their just, they're like a little blob in front of you that is, you know, begging for relief and healing. And that's where I start to get really worried about the teachers that they're producing, they don't have a real full sense of the responsibility of teaching. Well, I think a couple points that I, I'd like to make is that one, feel like the reality is that for a lot of people, right, um, depending on the program, the 200 hour program that they take, right, it might be that they just you know, they can't afford future trainings or not just financially, but maybe, you know, the amount of time that it takes, right? But I I feel that, and the reason why, um, you know, I'm offering a training now is because there are a lot of 200-hour trainings that are just like our society, right? Like really quick and fast, you know, fast and not quality. So, again, just teaching mostly asana. I mean, I even have teachers here that, you know, I'll say a certain word and they're like, where did you learn that? I'm like, well, it was part of my 200 hour training. And they're like, we never got that training. So that makes me mental. (laughs) uh, Yeah. So it's really about, you know, what is it that you want? Just because you see like 
that there's a 200 hour program offered in nine weeks. Like, well, what are you getting? You know, if you're looking for that quick <laughs> training, you know, you got to know that you're not going to get that in depth because you, there's no way to po possibly process and assimilate a 5,000 year old science in nine weeks. Now I know that there are great, you know, if you live with a teacher, right? Like at, you know, a, a place that you're living and breathing that teacher every single day, like that's very different, right? But, you know, to be able to understand, process, simulate, and then ultimately be able to teach, it has to be a really good 200 hour program, right? And so that's why I've kind of like you, right? Really been called to teach like deeply and to give those 200 hour trainees like a really good base, right? right. So that they'll, they can be like, oh, I really wanna go on and learn more, but at least they have, you know, a good foundation versus just learning how to teach asana and just hitting a certain number of, you know, philosophy hours, but not really understanding like the depth of what they're teaching. Yeah, Does that makes sense. Absolutely. Like, I mean, you yeah, don't yeah. stop studying philosophy because you've hit your 20 hours in your teacher training. It's a continual right. life lesson. Um, continuing education is a part of most m things you master. Right. But, right. So you've developed a program that you feel is more in alignment with your own personal values and goals yes. and aspirations. Yes. And with that said, like, how long did it take you before you felt like you really knew what you were doing when you were teaching when you first graduated? Oh, a long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, no, I mean, it's good, a practice. Honest, yeah. And yeah, you know, it takes a long time. And, and that was the thing. It was like, I still, I, I, and I still, even after, you know, technically being a 500 hour, like, there's still so much I don't know. Like I oh. still will continue to learn and we're always learning, right? So I, I, don't, it's, I don't know anything by far. I don't think I could learn, really understand everything that's 5,000 years old in one lifetime, right? So there is, you know, I, I do believe that you just, you're constantly learning right. and training. And there's always someone that's going to know more than you do. That's through experience or studies and just constantly, you know, learning. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, one I, of the I, things I, I found really yeah. impressive about your work, Melissa, is that you are, you were always that student that had a particular cause and a particular vision and a particular, Oh, alignment with what was important to you. And mm -hmm. you, you, I was really impressed with your dedication with a lot of philanthropic causes. You were on the chairs of causes. You were fundraising. You were really mm -hmm. dedicated. Like you, you never did anything, pardon the phrase, half-assed. You always never. jumped into it. You were really <laughs> involved. And lately you told me that you got involved with a company or a, a group called Help Imperatives. Yeah. And battered women dealing with dysfunctional relationships, escaping bad marriages and relationships and going into the houses to teach yoga to the families mm -hmm. and trauma informed yoga, which is also something that I, is near to my heart. Yeah. And really being able to see the difference that yoga can make in the lives of people who've been through PTSD 
and other forms of abuse, neglect, trauma, Mm -hmm. I had no idea how impactful yoga could be. Um, But, you know, blazing kudos to you to to continue that passion you have and getting Mm -hmm. more educated about trauma-informed yoga yeah, you you shared with me a little bit about an independent film called Angst and the suggestions that they made. Mm-hmm. And uh, could you share a little bit about that? Because it was a little bit disturbing to me. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So Angst was a documentary um, that focused on anxiety. Right. So um, I, I had gone and watched this. Uh, this film at a local high school, which the auditorium was packed. So I, I always tell people, you know, anxiety is one of these, there's still, um, you know, it's similar to like depression and that like people are still, they don't really, they hide. It's a, it's a taboo. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, so of course the auditorium was packed. There were a lot of parents there without their, their teens, right, um, looking, you know, for answers, right? So they're always, parents are always looking to help their children. And um, so what was disturbing to me, and it was great that this film brought awareness of how much anxiety is out there and what uh, children deal with. But what was disturbing was some of the tools that they suggested. So for example, like one of the the tools was to put ice cubes in your hands and that you know may very well work but it's when you're going through an anxiety or in a panic attack you know what do you have with you right so if I'm on a plane or if I'm in a meeting or if I'm in my car finding ice cubes isn't you know going to be helpful right so what I didn't like was that they didn't really touch on uh, modalities like yoga and accessing the breath, right? Um, which is really important and is always with you. Your breath is always with you. And there are lots of ways that you can calm the body with the breath. And I've used it with my own son, you know, who um, had a lot of sensory issues, a lot of anxiety when he was young. And now I see him and I watch him when he gets overwhelmed, you know, change his breath. And it's just so beautiful. I'm like, there you go. You know, it's, proof is in the pudding. He is completely fine now. And he has the tools to, to manage his anxiety. Yeah. Mm. So the ice cubes has just blew my mind because mm-hmm. I, my experience with really studying, um, you know, neuro-linguistic patterning and coping mechanisms and a lot of different therapies for handling anxiety and particularly with birthing. And mm-hmm. I use ice cubes to build sympathy for the expected father for the mother in labor. And <laughs> I, you know, I had the father hold the ice cube in his hand and we just put him in the corner and ignore him. And I make him hold it for like 30 seconds, which is the shortest duration of a contraction. And then, you know, let him like freeze it out. And then I do like a 45 second and we do a full 90. And while we do that, we totally ignore him. I sit over on the other side with the mother, we chit chat, you know, we, you know, 
sip um, water and, you know, have a snack and talk about life. And the time goes by so quickly for her because she's engaged and communicating and feels heard and supported and understood. Well, the guy in the corner is having the fake contraction by holding an ice cube and I make mm. him hold it pretty firmly until his hand goes red and he's ready to scream and pull his hair out of his head and he understands this is what it's like for your wife to go through labor ignored unheard unsupported mm -hmm. so then we do the other way around and I ignore her even though she doesn't have the ice cube and even though he's holding the ice cube um you know I talk him through it and we use coping mechanisms and you know we usually do a little massage and a little you know distraction we talk about football whatever the guy's into and he's he immediately will say the pain dissipated I no longer felt attached to the pain in my hand because I was engaging and I felt heard and there was a sense of connection and um just feeling completely supported and so that's my experience. I'm going to have to do a little more research on why holding an ice cube would help with anxiety because for yeah. me, it kind of causes anxiety. I'm not a therapist, <laughs> but as a doula, like that's my experience. So how does yeah. that sound to you? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm sure that there, you know, other than to me, like I would look at it as a distraction. So sometimes right. it's a distraction. Yeah. Right. But it's more about and whether or not I'm sure like some therapists will say that that it's really helpful. It's more about um, accessibility. Right. Is, of course. You know, and so what is always with you? Your body. Is it therapeutic and is it available? Well, it's right. not. Um, right. But as you just stated, what is always with you? Yes, your, breath. your breath. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> Melissa, I couldn't tell you enough how proud I am of you and all of my students, really, because when I look at the names of my graduates and I stay in touch with at least three quarters of them, most of them are teaching. They're teaching authentically. They're teaching fully. They really embrace living a lifestyle of yoga and they don't just see Lululemon, which I adore Lululemon. But, you know, we've got to rank on it here and there. Yeah. And um, the whole, you know, I don't know, going to drink green juice and yeah. my lemon water in the morning. And like, I'm going to um, be, you know, more mindful of the food I buy and I'm going to buy organic and maybe I'm not going to have my nails with the, you know, acrylic and the yeah. gel because it's toxic and all those things are great. But when it really, really comes down to it, it's, are you feeling peace in your life? Do you feel right. whole? Do you feel complete? And do you feel that you're really truly living in an alignment with your best life? Are you contributing? Are you making an impact on people's lives? Are you helping? Are you part of the solution? Are you part of the problem? And we right. can't control other people. We just truly have to surrender. I uh, just interviewed one of my dear mentors going back to the days of Ann Jolis, who used to live in Hanover, now lives in Plymouth. And she wrote Grace Trails and reminded me that there are four stages of healing. And we have the denial where there's not a problem. Everything's mm -hmm. fine. I'm fine. <laughs> you're fine. Everybody's fine. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about it. That damn elephant in the living room to yeah. finally step two, acknowledging that there is an issue that needs to be healed, transformed, discussed, 
at least maybe you don't accept that there's a problem, but you at least acknowledge that you're willing to think about it, explore it. And that's when I find people come to yoga when they're mm-hmm. not in denial anymore, but yeah. they're just about to acknowledge that change is important. Step three is when you totally accept that change is imminent or needed, whether that change looks like, um, you know, yoga or not, isn't the issue. It's, it, it's the fact that you acknowledge that it, it's, it needs to be done and you accept that either it is what it is and I can't change it or I'm the person that needs the work. And we all do. We mm-hmm. all need healing. Yeah. We all need work. If you're not still, still in personal development and working on yourself, then I need to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and number four is when you finally feel peace, when you feel that sense of being at home, at rest, at peace. Right. And what I don't do mean laying down and playing dead, you know, being peaceful does not mean you're dead. You know, it means that you are a vibrant, living, breathing, excited, enthusiastic, inspiring contributor to the world. And that's what yoga gave me is it gave me a sense that there was nothing wrong with me. Yeah. I needed a lot of, I needed a lot of change. I needed a lot to make a lot of improvements in my life, but I wasn't broken. I wasn't damaged goods. Yeah. 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 Well, if people want to get in touch with you, Melissa, they're interested in studying with you further, either privately or coming to you for a healing session. Um, And they're particularly interested in doing a group 200 hour training, which I am so proud of you for developing and love being a guest teacher in um, teaching the four desires, my passion. Uh, How do they find you? How do they work with you in Marshfield? Uh, they can go to unplugyoga.com. That's probably the most, the quickest way. I mean, I am on Facebook and all of that, but you'll find all that information on our website. Great. Yeah. And I would just say, you know, to anyone that hasn't um, practiced yoga, you know, just, you know, forget about all of the images that you see right on social media right now. <laughs> Right, all the pictures of these yogis and these advanced postures and their cute little outfits, and that's just you don't see the true meaning of yoga in those in those photos, right? It's so much more than that. And how, you know, unfortunately, you can't quite put the work in a picture, right? Yeah. Of what goes, what is behind those postures, right? It's hard to. Um, give a good good picture of that but it certainly isn't what you see today right Just yoga is felt pet. and experienced and not seen yeah. yeah yeah well my dear thank you for your time i'm so proud of you keep walking the walk and doing the work and lighting the way um it's not easy to walk the um road less traveled Mm -hmm. it's not easy to have integrity and uh, stand up for what you know to be healthy and well and living your truth and being um, willing to be honest about um, what you've experienced and why you do what you do Um, there's so many taboos out there that we need to keep 
beating down and beating down to change the stigma that is attached to depression, anxiety, confusion, um, because everybody suffers with something. Um, and if we can continue to just hold their hands and embrace them, the those numbers are going to keep getting bigger and stronger and better. Mm-hmm. And it's teachers like you that are really committed to walking that walk and following the path that help others in return. I thank you. Thank you, Paulette. Well, those of you out there, if this has inspired you to roll out your mat and put on your Lululemons, then do it and get to class and drag a friend and get out there and spread the love because we all need it. And I all want you to commit to thriving in the chaos.